We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. What if you were able to talk to multiple leaders, and I mean a lot of leaders, and find out all those specific characteristics, skills, and traits that help you level up your leadership? Well, that's what Dr. Nick Davies on today's episode of Seeing to Lead did. And here he shares what the results were. Hey, everybody, Dr. Jones here with another episode of Seeing to Lead. And what I'm talking about with Nick Davies is a powerful leadership framework that explains those traits and skills necessary to improve our leadership on a day-to-day basis. He breaks it up into the word frame. It's an acronym. Really easy when we talk about vision and goals. It's all about F, finding opportunities. R, relationships. A, aligning your values, goals, and passions. M, mastering your craft. And E, executing and taking action. All of those are incredibly important pieces to the puzzle, but we spend some time on aligning your values, goals, and passions So much so, there's even an activity we cover having to do with prioritizing, aligning, and watching as they all fall into place and lead you to a greater leadership experience and ability to impact those around you. Once again, thank you for taking the time to tune into Scene to Lead. And I just want to send a shout out to all of you who have taken the time to give the show a five-star rating and review. It's important, and it's impactful, so thank you. If you haven't had a chance to do that yet, please, I encourage you, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and leave a rating and review if you find the content you hear in this show every week helpful to you as a person and leader. Well, enough from me. Let's hear from Nick Davies about his leadership framework on seeing to lead. Let's talk about flex time in schools. The potential benefits to our students make it worth exploring. More time for personalized learning, increased choice and agency for students, and the increased engagement that comes along with it. Dedicated time for intervention. Overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be a challenge. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose, and with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash B 
to learn more and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. You know, if you want to better support, engage, and empower those that you lead, find where you are lacking and then learn about that, fry it out, take action on it, and put that to use in your building. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Dr. Nick Davies is an elementary associate principal for Vancouver Public Schools and an adjunct faculty member at Pacific University. He has a PhD in education and leadership and wrote his dissertation on curriculum implementation. Nick has previously held roles as a high school associate principal and athletic director and was a high school math teacher and head track and field coach. He was a two-time state track and field coach of the year in Oregon. Nick also served as a reservist in the U.S. Coast Guard and currently serves on the Emerging Professionals Board at the Blanchett House, which supports people experiencing homelessness. I was excited that I was able to make a connection with Nick and have him on the podcast today because. A lot of the work he's been doing is reaching out and talking to people. So we should get a broad view and actually a little bit of a surprise to the listeners because he's come up with some framework that he's going to talk to us a little bit about. So Nick, welcome to the podcast. Chris, thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be joining uh, Seeing to Lead here and excited to talk about this leadership framework. Well, let's start there, right? I think that's, uh, that's the new name of it that you're talking about, but you've done quite a bit of research on the idea of leadership and what leaders need to have as traits or skills or strategies to be successful. But you're not just saying that, you're hearing that from a number of leaders. So could you fill out or fill in the listeners on what this framework is? And the word frame means something important. Yeah. Um, So I've been for about the past, we're pushing about eight months now, I've been interviewing leaders across the country and actually a couple out, one in Canada, one in Australia, almost all in education, but a few business leaders. And I'm just shy. You, I'm going to interview you here pretty soon. And uh, you're going to be, I think, number 49 of interviews I've done. And so I'm starting to get a large amount of data of just how people view leadership and things that have helped them in their journeys. And honestly, I'm just, I'm looking to learn as much as I can about leadership and then hopefully share it with the people I work with in Vancouver Public Schools. And so framework, what that is, and I have a qualitative research background. And so I just, I couldn't resist taking all my interview notes and then looking to find some themes. And frame comes, my wife is a word uh, smith, we'll call her. And so she came up with frame. I need to give credit where credit is due. And so the five letters, so F stands for find opportunities. R is relationships. A is align your values, goals, and passions. M is master your craft. And E is execute and take action. I love that 
the way you've put that or framed that. Now, I have a feeling that as we go, I'm going to use the word frame way too many times. <laughs> but um, I also see what you did there. You know, if your wife is listening, she'll be very happy that you gave her a shout out there. How did you come about this idea? So I know you like qualitative research. And I remember from doing my doctorate, the idea of, okay, I've got all this qualitative research, color coding, themes, pulling things out. Ton of work, but somewhat satisfying in an odd kind of way. But how did you come up with the idea to do this to begin with? So I, to give just a little, a short backstory, previously was an athletic director and associate principal. And that was while I was getting my doctorate. And it was while our second son was born. And so I was really pushing myself probably too hard, right? And I was doing all of these different things. And then I finished my doctorate. Um, I got moved to uh, the elementary level where I'm still an associate principal. Kids are sleeping through the night, that kind of stuff. And so I felt like I had this a little bit more work capacity. And so I started just looking, okay, well, then I'm going to use my extra time to work on my professional development and how can I become a better leader? So I worked with uh, an executive coach, Chuck Sharon, uh, with Reimagined Success. And he just kind of got me thinking about some things. And the first person I reached out to happened to be Danny Bauer. And he does pride himself on being accessible. And so, you know, I sent him a message and he goes, Hey, I actually have time today. And we met like a couple hours after I messaged him. And that just kind of got the ball rolling. And the second person I met with was Will Parker. And so those two, if those are the first two people that said, yes, I would like to meet with you. And here's my thoughts on leadership. They just kind of made it seem like, oh, well, if those two types of people are going to say yes, like who else might agree to talk with me? And it's been pretty, it's been pretty fun to see who, um, who has. And then I've been, they have both along with many others have encouraged me to, share what I've learned along the way. And so it started with just a quick LinkedIn post and then I turned them into articles. And now I have, uh, I've turned it into uh, articles and a podcast as well, which I've, I've called Monday Mornings with Dr. Nick Authentic Leadership in Action. And so just kind of summarizing what I've learned. And so they just, as I talk with people, a theme is just, you know, keep pushing yourself, challenging yourself. And so that's kind of where I just started to dive into this. And then, you know, some conference opportunities have come up. I want to Again, it's kind of expand my influence. And so I reach, you know, I've applied to conferences and I'll be presenting on this exact topic at the Ignite conference for NASSP in July. And so really excited to, to get that out there and get feedback from a live audience. That's fantastic. I'm sure that uh, people will definitely benefit from taking the opportunity to go see you at one of these conferences or Ignite specifically. But something you said there interested me the idea that you, Works to improve yourself. You wanted to improve yourself. You had some extra time, extra capacity, as it were. Sometimes we run into those issues where, yes, we have that feeling of having extra capacity and wanting to improve ourselves. But um, do you have any opinions? And this could come from your framework. We'll hit some of those letters. But in, in general, how is it that we as leaders get that attitude to others? Because oftentimes you have somebody in a leadership role that has that innate drive and the people that are around them are a little tougher to inspire and motivate to do that. you have any thoughts on that? My first thought is modeling expectations, right? We as leaders talk a lot about, you know, if there's something that we want done, then we need to make sure it's something we would be willing to do ourselves. And so I, I think for principals, staff meetings are a great opportunity to in- encourage teachers to continue to learn and to talk about what you've been learning and then put it to use. And so if you know, if you want to try something new at a staff meeting, be honest, be a little vulnerable and be willing to fail if it doesn't work. And then 
maybe even do almost like a live autopsy with your group of, hey, actually, what didn't go well about what I just tried or what did? And I think modeling what you are expecting can certainly encourage people along with uh, giving them opportunities and really getting to know them, right? So if you know your staff well enough, maybe you can find out that they're really interested in something and you can give them, maybe it's a release day or maybe it's just finding them a conference that they would enjoy going to or maybe it's the podcast or a book, buying them a book or something like that. I think however many barriers you can remove to make it more accessible is always good. And then acknowledging, again, if you know your staff, acknowledging that everyone is at a different stage in life. I mentioned to you before we started, you know, I got a three-week-old at home. And so, right, that's a different stage than someone whose kids have graduated college or someone who doesn't have kids at all. And so someone might be a little overwhelmed with other things going on at home. And so that now might not be the time to just be really pushing and driving themselves. I like that you mentioned the idea that everybody is at a different place and time. But you also mentioned, you know, you talk about becoming better and ways to do that, which slides right into F on the framework for leadership. The idea of finding opportunities. Leaders have all kinds of opportunities in their buildings to do these types of things if that's what they're dedicated to. Can you talk a little bit about that in I headed in the right direction with what you mean by finding opportunities as a leader. Yeah. And I think you can kind of sum it up as, you know, no one's going to do it for you. And so, you know, find what else, what is out there? What can you do to find opportunities? So an example um, that I've had just an absolute blast doing with is I reached out to associate principals in, in my area and just said, hey, do you want to get together on Monday afternoons and have our own little PLC slash mastermind? We're all in different districts and we can just help each other problem solve. And it's been awesome. And I've taken feedback from those colleagues and put them into use. And then they've reached out. One of them reached out to me, said, hey, I'm getting a new job. It's going to be similar to yours. Can we meet in problems and you know talk about it and which has been good. I think the other thing about opportunities that should definitely be stated is it is an opportunity to acknowledge the privileges you have because I know given my background and just who I am that I've had a lot of opportunities that not everyone else has been given. And so I do believe I've taken advantage of all of them but at the same time I know that I've had more opportunities than most. And so with that, you know, finding article or not article, sorry, finding opportunities and another example of that is, you know, not being discouraged by failure. That also I'll talk about in Master Your Craft. But if you're looking for an opportunity, if you want to be, let's say you want to publish an article. One example, I had one that Utopia published for me and uh, I had submitted it five other times and it kept getting shut down, right? And so I found new opportunities and someone who might take it. And then that sixth time I submitted it, it actually got turned down by the editor, but they saw something and said, hey, what if you rewrote it like this? And they published it. And so, right, so just finding those different things, but you have to go out there and find them because people aren't going to do it for you. You have to put yourself out there and actually take that first step. Yeah. So that, and part of that, when you were talking, you talked about the colleagues that you reached out to and doing that PLC slash mastermind with them, which goes right into relationships, which happens to be ours. So we all know that relationships are important. Right? We talk about how important it is to build relationships, but how can we go about getting better at building relationships? Are there any specific tips, tricks, strategies that you've picked up? Yeah, the overwhelming theme when I've talked to, uh, to leaders out there is adding value to others, serving others. If you want to build a relationship and you're out there just to network, so you know, I can say, oh, I talked to Chris Jones and I talked to Will Parker and Danny Bauer. Great. That in and of itself, it, it, to be honest, is kind of useless. 
It's what can you offer to others? Um, and one principal who I talked to, he phrased it as the blueprint to success is to help others. So if you're helping others succeed, there's a really strong possibility. We're pretty much guaranteed that you're going to end up succeeding in whatever you're trying to do if you're helping others along the way. And that's the key, right? And so don't make it about yourself, right? Help others do the best that they can do. That's awesome because it's always important. It's nice to talk to people. It's nice to have relationships, but the relationships that really matter or last, as it were, is where both individuals are lending value. I mean, we talk about, I forget who said it, but I love this. Uh, the idea that we become the average of the five people we spend the most time with. Yeah. And if we're, I do a weekly video to my community about purpose, integrity, character, things like that. And one of the, one of the talks I gave in that one week was don't just find your group of five people to make sure that you're leveling yourself up, but be one of those people that people want in their group that other people want in their group. So it really is about adding that value. Yeah. And another thing on that same note of those, the five people, you're the average of the five people you're closest to is who are those five people? And are they all the same, do they, are they the exact same type of person as you are? And so find people with different backgrounds, right? Who had different lived experiences, different races and genders in all of that, because everyone has a different perspective and you only know your one perspective, right? And so you need others who have different experiences for you to really understand what's going on. Right. And I mean, it'll just add a whole new layer to what you value. And you don't know what you value until you really find different things and have different experiences, which when you're talking about this framework, you talk about aligning values, goals, and passions. And that values piece is really important. But what about goals and passions? How do you go about making sure that all those line up? I think this is uh, my the favorite thing I've learned of these five. And so this is really an activity that you can do is if you know, I think a lot of us have spent time looking at what do you value most, right? I've done that in a lot of beginning of the year times, you sit down with a list of whatever 200 values, right? And you pare it down and you narrow it. My, I always end up narrowing it to the same three family, integrity and health. Those are always my top three values. But then if you what I had never done until this past fall, is if then on the left side of a column, I've got my values. And then in the middle, I have my goals. What are they aligned? Because so for example, like I, I want to be a school superintendent. And if family is my top value, which it is, and I firmly believe that, then how I get to being a superintendent, I can't just go grind and work 60, 80, 100 hour weeks and impress everybody because that is not in alignment with my values. It might help me get to my goal, but that's not going to be beneficial along the way. One superintendent even told me, he goes, um, I don't want to be a great superintendent and a horrible husband and father, right? Because then you're not actually successful. And so that was something I had never done before, sat down and look at what you value most and does it align with your goals? And if it doesn't, how can you make them align, right? And so then you, for me, right? So that means I'm going to make sure that on my way to becoming a superintendent, I'm going to make sure that I actually get sleep at night and I'm going to ensure that I go home and have time for my family. And if that means that it extends the time that it takes me to get to that position, then that's okay. Because what's most important is my family and I'm not going to sacrifice that to hit the goal. And then the other piece with passions is if you get all three of those aligned, if your values match your goals, which also match your passion, 
then chances are like you're going to have energy to do this stuff every single day. You're going to wake up just driven because all everything that you do just matches matches what you want to do in life. Right. And so I'm really passionate about educational leadership. I find our jobs fascinating and the different every day you get to work and it's something different and how we can help people, you know, kind of improve what they're doing. And I think educator wellness, not to go down a, to go on a bird walk here, but I think as a leader right now, one of the bigger, bigger things that we can do is focus on educator well-being. You know, how can we help teachers do their jobs even better? Not so they can get more done in the day, but so they can finish their job and then go home and be in, be whoever they are when they leave the school building. Aligning values, goals, and passions. I love that one. That's excellent. And so, so let me make sure I, I play this back because I think that is crucial to the rest of this framework. Because if those aren't in line, right? It, if those aren't aligned, everything else kind of falls apart or gets tattered. But let me just go back to this to make sure that I'm hearing this and make sure the listeners are hearing it. It almost seems, so you draw your three columns, you line those, you put those out and you line them up. However, that's not the final step. What needs to happen is you need to prioritize your values because right away you said, what I value most is family and I know that. I mean, I could have values of, you said family, integrity, and health. Well, you might have integrity as your top value and that means your family is going to fall down to the wayside. So it's really important if I'm hearing this right to make sure you prioritize your values. And then line them up with your goals so that your most essential goals for your values line up properly. I, yeah, I do think that that's important. I also, I feel like with my, my values, I feel like they all support each other. Like I can be a better husband and father if I'm healthy and taking care of myself. Right. And I feel like I can be a better employee if I'm, if I have integrity in my job. To me, that means showing up every day. I'm going to give it my all because if I don't, I know that I left something there. Right. And that's the same thing when I'm at home and I, this is something I'm sure a lot of listeners try to work on too, is that I need to be home when I go home, right? That it's so easy to get sucked back into work or just something mind mindless, like you scrolling through social media or news feeds or, you know, whatever. And, and that, to me, that's having the integrity of I'm going to be home when I'm home, right? Because my kids need me when I'm home. I'm gone enough as it is. But I do think it's important to prioritize as well. So then I know if I have to pick one, right? And when it comes down to when I'm running out of time, am I going to go for a run or am I going to spend time with my family? I'm going to spend time with my family. Now, like I did this morning, if I can get my kids in a stroller or on their bikes and run with me, then that's the, oh, right. That's even better. <laughs> that's awesome. I, you know, a lot of that, and I think a lot of times we start to miss the boat on that as leaders where we do have, we do have our values. We do have goals. And we do have things we're passionate about. And this time I know who said it, Ben Franklin, you know, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life or uh, not exact, but somewhere around there. But the idea of aligning them so that you make sure none of them suffer, because we talk about a lot of times people talk about a work-life balance. I don't believe or I don't believe in a work-life balance. I believe in a work-life negotiation because there are times where that has to shift based on the current needs or the context that you're in. So I think it's really a good thing that you pointed that out and highlighted that. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? 
It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. Seeingtolead.com. Let's move to M. When you're talking about what you're passionate about, you're passionate about ed leadership. We often have goals that we have to do at work that we want to do. Master your craft. Talk to us a little bit about how master your craft fits into this framework. Yeah, I view that as as leaders, we should never stop learning, right? We always need to keep pushing ourselves, continuing to go forward. And at the same time, that means that we need to take uh, chances and we're going we're gonna to fail in the process as well. And so those, I think it's the combination of those two of never stop learning and being willing to fail. And so that, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can think about that. I've had, you know, people would tell me, you know, be a lifelong learner or one person framed it as, you know, are you a learner or are you a knower? And I really like that regard because as a, if I'm, you know, let's say I'm as the building principal, if I'm the, the lead learner, right, I'm always going to know that, okay, well, I can probably do something better. Other people are going to be experts in areas that I'm not. I don't, I don't know how you feel, Chris, but I don't think the principal needs to know it all. I think you just need to know how to access the right information and how to leverage and give people opportunities to lead where, when they are the expert. 100%. Yeah. There's too much going on for us to know to be the best at everything in a building, right? It's just, it will never happen. And so those, yeah, those ideas is that this journey is never ending as a, as an ed leader. And so if we understand that, then, you know, we're going to keep pushing ourselves, keep challenging. And I mentioned earlier, I think if we're modeling that for our staff, that they're going to they're gonna start to get on board as well. Perfect. And I like the idea that you said, never be afraid to fall down. And oftentimes there's even, and let me know if you agree with this, Nick, there's even the aspect of not being afraid to fall down, but then the second step to that, to really take advantage of that, is to do it in public to accept it in public and admit it in public. I don't know where you stand on that. Uh, so I, I agree. You know, you can, we've all seen the, like the authoritative leader who, who doesn't want to ever show, you know, any issues or a, any, you know, marks in their armor. And uh, I, I don't know, people want to see a human that's in charge of their, in their building. And if you screw up, I think the best thing to do is let people know if you made a mistake or if you're trying something new and it just falls flat on, it fa- on its face, ask for feedback, right? Kim Scott wrote a book called Radical Candor, which is, uh, at least I'm pretty sure I said the right name there. Okay, yeah. And it's just, it's a great book about like getting feedback, leaders being vulnerable. And, you know, that idea that we need to be honest about what's going on and to get that feedback. You know, we've got tons of staff members in our building and they all know a lot about our school and they see things that we don't. So we need them to be willing to come up to the leader and say, actually, when you do that, here's what happens. And we got to make adjustments. You know, it's funny because that is such a useful tool. And when leaders do eventually do that, the people they do it with, the staff members, that's almost crossing a cultural line where people get uncomfortable. I do 15-minute meetings with every staff member in my building 
uh, at the midpoint of the year. And what, those, that's one of the questions I ask is, what am I currently doing that I need to stop doing? And it's funny because they'll come in and some will have lists, some will go off the top of their head. And, you know, my first question is, what am I currently doing that I need to continue doing? And it, it comes down to basically what's working for you, what's rubbing you wrong. And they'll say the first one and they'll do the first one. And then they get to the second one. And even if they have notes written, you know, they kind of, the eyes start to shift. They look down a little bit, you know, and they get nervous about it. And it's funny because the staff that have been here that know me have no problem. And they'll rip that right off because that's, that's the culture I work to have. I don't need to have the right answer. I want to just get the right answer. The new staff that have just come out of schools or come from other schools and things like that, they kind of shifty and they're the ones that get nervous. But that's such an important thing to do. Do you have any tricks for us as to how we get people to feel more comfortable giving us that feedback, that radical candor, so to speak? I've had that exact same experience in in teacher meetings, right? And I I always ask that question at the end of the year is, well, I ask, how can I support you better looking ahead to next year? And I want to know, right? What can be done better? And not everyone will say everything or say anything. And one thing I found though is just finding times to time to build relationships with teachers and know that you care about their growth. And so one thing that I challenged myself to do this year is be in every classroom every week, which is hard to do. And I don't supervise all of those teachers, but it was still every classroom every week. And when I had time, so a lot of times it was a quick check-in, wave to the kids, say hi to the teacher. But when I had time, I'd spend five to 10 minutes for a really quick drop-in and I'd uh, highlight something really positive the teacher did, leave a sticky note on their desk or their computer. So then if we had to have a challenging conversation or just something else, they know that I'm, when I go into their classroom, I'm looking for the awesome stuff that they do. And they know that I care about what they're doing. And so when they come to me or when I ask them for feedback, hopefully they know like I'm all about growth. Here's what you've been doing well. And then here's where you can grow. And I want to know the same thing about myself. Because unfortunately, our supervisors who work at the district office, they only come out every now and again, right? And that they've got so much else that they're doing and all that kind of stuff. And it, you know, nothing against them, but our teachers are in the building every day and they see our work every day. They have a great idea of how well we're doing our job. And we wanted, we need to know what, how it's going. Fantastic. And now, so you've gotten your feedback, no matter how difficult or how glowing it is, but it comes down to execute, right? Which is the E in framework. Yeah. And at the end of your podcast mention, you say, you know, what can you take action on, you know, from today's podcast? And that's exactly what execute is, right? Take action because everything else, right? Especially the finding opportunities. I think the F and the E go so uh, hand in hand together because if you find an opportunity and you don't do anything about it, well, that doesn't matter, right? Theory without action is useless as one, as one former principal told me, right? And so, you know, we have to do something. Right. And I'm not saying that we jump to the next shiny thing in education because that we all know that doesn't work. Right. But we do have to continue trying to do different things. Right. And you have to move. Yeah. And you never know what's going to happen. Right. It's when you execute. And, you know, interestingly enough, it's and I'm I might sense a diagram in here somewhere. But when you hit find opportunities, when you execute and you take action, new opportunities pop up. And you discover them as you're moving forward and actually executing because you don't have to have the perfect answer to start. But any answer you execute and take action on is going to turn up other opportunities to help tweak that. So it becomes the best answer. Exactly. Yep. You know, I, I really like this leadership framework that you've got. Again, you know, the find opportunities, relationships, align your values, goals, and passions, master your craft, 
do an action. That is some of the best advice for anybody in any situation. I You talk about leaders, but even teachers in classrooms. So I, I really appreciate you bringing that to us today. Thank you. And yeah, any listeners would love feedback. As we said, this is the first time I've listed it in that in that order using that frame. And uh, I'm always trying to learn, right? And that's why I'm being honest that this is the first time I've used that phrase because um, yeah, I'm an open book. So thank you. Imagine that you model. <laughs> Imagine that. Look, you know, Nick, I we're getting towards the end of the podcast and I ask guests come on the podcast two questions at the end of every podcast. So if you weren't an educator, who, not what would you be? I like this question, but I'm not sure I got the best answer for it is I'm not sure if I would be anything different. So I view educators as it's a service profession, right? It's a vocation. And I, so I think I would have, I would be still an educator or I'd still in a different capacity, right? So I I had an opportunity at a college to continue coaching some college football and I chose not to. And I went and got my master's and, and ended up where I am today. But I, you're right, there's always part of me like co- coaching college football would have been a blast, totally different lifestyle but it would have been a blast. Same thing with, with the military. Right. I, I didn't join until I was older and our right before our first son was born. But that that lifestyle actually just, I really enjoyed all of my time there. But again, that's, it's in service, right? Uh, even in high school, I was a Portland police cadet and thought maybe the, uh, you know, a life in the police would be for me. Again, chose not to do that. But all of those things that I've ever been interested in and have always been somewhere around service. And so if I wasn't an educator, I still think, you know, at the core, I'm some, something around service is where I'm all at. Excellent. And I don't know, I don't know if, if it's the profession or vocation, as you put it, but people that come on this show and answer that question, they say, oh, well, it's not the best answer. It's, you know, and don't sell yourself short. I love the way you answered the idea of tying it to, this is not a job. This is not even a career. It's, it, and it's beyond a profession. It's a vocation. It really is. It has to do with service. And clearly you have that in your blood because everything you named, you're serving in some capacity to help others. Yeah. So you've talked a lot. You've explained this framework. Again, I encourage people to, especially if they're going to Ignite, the uh, NASSP conference this summer in July, make sure they go and see your session. But what's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to better support engage and empower those they serve. So I think one of the biggest things that that people can do, if there's an area that, you know, you're trying to support your teachers better in and you're not sure how to do it, keep continue learning, right? So never stop learning is up there. So if you want to support teachers better when it comes to instructional leadership, or maybe it's building community in your schools, you know, don't stop learning. Find how you can become better at those and then take action. I think those two go hand in hand. And it's the same, it's the same way with engage and empower. You know, if you want to better support, engage, and empower those that you lead, find where you are lacking and then learn about that, fry it out, take action on it, and put that to use in your building. Absolutely fantastic. Nick, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. I think you've added a lot of value to the listeners. If anybody wants to get in touch with you or follow up with you, what's the best way to do that? Two good ways. Right now, LinkedIn is the only social media that I'm really on. So you can find me, Nick Davies, PhD, and just reach out. We'll connect and we can talk. Um, you can also just send me an email, drnickdavies at gmail.com. That's drnickdavies at gmail.com. Excellent. Again, great talking to you today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. 
Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com, where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.